it's been a while, Carl, but we're back. Where you been? I was here. I was ready to go, and then it didn't happen. I know. Carl got a, a 4 a.m. text saying, from the hospital saying that I was uh, not going to be able to make it. <laughs> so now we're back. So thank goodness it all worked out, and all is well that ends well. We will talk to our guest, Maya Gary, about her new play, Feminine Energy. You can find more about that at mustardseedtheater.com. Around minute 16, The Knock at the Cabin, the latest from M. Night Shyamalan. Around minute 28, You People. Around minute 31, Shotgun Wedding. Around minute 33, Poker Face on Peacock. Around minute 35, Triangle of Sadness. Around minute 39, more Oscar talk. Around minute 46, The Theater Roundup. We have an exciting show today because we have a new playwright. Well, I am sure Maya is not new to playwriting, but her production. An overnight success that has taken many years to get overnight. <laughs> her a play, Feminine Energy, is going to debut this weekend at the Mustard Seed Theater at Fontbonne. And we're very excited. Hi, Maya. Hello. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. She comes to us from SIU Carbondale, Carl. Oh, I think you know a little bit about SIU. I know. We're talking, yes, go Salukis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the great documentary filmmaker, Steve James. That's how I greeted him when I met him at Sundance. I said, go Salukis. So he knew I knew what I was talking <laughs> So... Maya is going to tell us about her play, Feminine Energy. And Carl, I know you know something about Feminine Energy. Yeah, I had three sisters and now I have two women in the house. So, yay. You know all about (laughs) it. (laughs) So, Maya, how did this happen with Mustard Seed Theater? Because Mustard Seed has been taking a little break. Deanna Gent. Uh, the who who was leading it, and then they found your play, and the rest is history. Yeah, history in the making. Um, well, I think to to talk a little bit about mustard seed and Deanna, I have to go back. Um, just a couple years to to twenty twenty. I think twenty twenty is memorable for all of us. <laughs> um, and during that time, I had an amazing opportunity to be a part of uh, the Confluence Regionals Writers Project um, with the uh, St. Louis Shakespeare Festival. Um, and I was uh, being led by Nancy Bell, who is amazing, and um, in a cohort uh, with two other people, um, two amazing playwrights, um, Rob Maisaka and Liz Archer. And we were all developing a new play. We had all been commissioned to develop a new play um, with the intent originally that we would have a reading um, in 2020. Um, so the play that I was actually writing was not feminine energy. I spent about seven or eight months of the program writing a, um, uh, kind of like a, a ghosty Louisiana based, um, historical fiction piece. And I, I was just running into horrendous writer's block. I, it was not coming together. And I, you know, seven months in, I was like, I have to produce something. <laughs> I have to produce something. So, um, I, at the time, I um, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome um, during my freshman year of college. And um, around 2020, my symptoms got really bad. And some of the symptoms were um, were not what they usually would see with PCOS. So they started to think that maybe I, 
had PCOS and endometriosis. I had one doctor who was like, it could be early signs of ovarian cancer. So like my health was just kind of in an influx and I was overwhelmed. I was going through all of these changes. So I thought, well, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll just as a cathartic, you know, to release all my emotions, I'll write something else. I'll just, you know, give that to Nancy. They'll, you know, we'll workshop that. Um, and then, you know, I can change it or take out the parts that are personal uh, later on. Um, and when I presented it, they, they loved it and, and it seemed like it really resonated. So fast forward two years, we had to wait for the height of the pandemic to calm down a little bit. And, um, in 2022, so March of, of last year, um, we were able to finally have, um, an amazing reading. Um, it was, um, over the series of two weekends, everyone who had been a part of Confluence had their plays read. Um, and De um, sorry, not Deanna, uh, Jackie was my director and she, I remember her coming up to me, it was right before we were presenting and she was like, I love this piece. What are we going to do to get it out there? And I was like, I have no idea. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm just a writer. And like, really, that's kind of my lane. Um, and she said, I, you know, she's like, give me a little bit of time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure something out. We need to get this out there. And I remember she texted me and she said, um, so I talked with Deanna Gent and Deanna, she read your play and she loved it. Um, she liked to produce it. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I, you know, it's kind of just dumbfounded because I was like, this is amazing. Um, met Deanna. Um, Deanna has been just so incredibly supportive. And she was like, I want to get this work out there. And um, as they say, the rest is, is history in the making. So that's kind of how we, we got here and how Feminine Energy um, got its production. How's your health now? <laughs> Yes. Thank you. Thank you for asking. You're that. welcome. Yes, it is much better. It is much better. Um, I do not have cancer. Um, and I actually, they, even though some of the symptoms look like it might've had, I might've also had endometriosis. I do not have endometriosis. Um, I, for the most part, have been able to get my symptoms under control um, with a mix of uh, traditional medicine and a little bit of, of alternative medicine as well. So um, it has been a journey, but it's been, it's been, um, getting better is what I can say. <laughs> and, and everything happens for a reason because this amazing piece of art came out of your trauma. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I think uh, so many people can identify with uh, women when you reach a certain age, you know, you're supposed to fit into these little lanes and uh, reproduction is one of the lanes women are supposed to you know go in and then when things don't go according to plan part of your identity is tied in with that and there's a lot in that I remember when I was 28 I had a miscarriage and I was so devastated by that because I was like you wait all this time to have children and then you're ready to have children and then it doesn't happen and you go through a whole psychological, uh, there's a lot of turmoil. And I think women who are whatever stage they're at, whether they're deciding to have kids, they don't want to have children, they they do want to have, you know, it, it's a it's a huge psychological uh, journey. And so many people, um, it used to be people didn't talk about any of this. You know, you're just supposed to like, you know, yeah. just get over it, move forward. And uh, nowadays with so many different types of uh, 
alternatives and in vitro fertilization and, and everything like that. There's, there's all sorts of different kind of journeys and, and whatever, but so many people will identify with your story because maybe they thought they were the only person that had this going on. Yes. Thank you. Um, and I completely agree with you um, in terms of, I think it's, it's a lot more common than I think we realized. Um, I think that um, honestly, one of the things that's been very surprising for me is is through social media um, because um, there are so many different pages on supporting women who are going through in vitro or with polycystic ovarian syndrome or a range of women's health issues. Um, that's when I begin to kind of see like, oh, I'm I'm not alone in this journey. There are lots of women um, who are walking through these things um, and experiencing disenfranchised grief, I think, surrounding miscarriage or surrounding um, infertility and things of that nature. Um, and you actually see that a little bit in the play because I, I talk a little bit about, you know, uh, like one of the the um, characters, he kind of does research on social media to help his wife because she's dealing with PCOS. And so I completely agree with you, Lynn, in terms of I think that um, this is widespread. And I think having those conversations is so important because it allows people to feel supported. But I also think it helps people to know what questions to ask when they do get into a hospital room and, you know, how do I address this or how do I clarify um, what's happening in my body um, and things like that. Oh, yeah, it's well, just, yeah. Go ahead, Carl. Well, there's also a content warning with the play. Uh, is this going to trigger some people? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, so I would like to say hopefully not. But part of the reason that um, the content warning was provided was um, we do the play does deal a lot with sensitive um, matters. So when you're dealing with topics like miscarriage, you're dealing with um, infertility, um, you're dealing with, and one of the characters um, has ovarian cancer. So we have discussions surrounding death and dying and the reality of those things. And, um, and even, you know, systematic um, disenfranchisement or racism or discrimination. Those are also all things that are discussed in the play. So um, just as a sensitivity, because these are real human experiences. You know, I'm drawing from my own experiences and the experiences of people around me. Um, we just thought that as a team that it would be uh, considerate to say, hey, these are some of the topics that are going to come up. These are some of the things that that you may talk about um, or hear about in this piece. Um, but I think on that note, what I'd like to, to note is that... Um, it is a comedy, so it um, it was written to spark joy. <laughs> I, you know, during the time when I wrote it, um, you know, obviously with it being 2020 and us being literally in the center of the pandemic um, and things are crazy and then just my own health issues. As I was writing, I was like, you know what? I want to laugh. I want to be happy. I want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to produce a piece and at the end, like, uh, you know, everyone's depressed and, you know, we had a, enough of that just in the world. So um, even though, some of the content is heavy. Um, I don't think that for most people, you're going to leave feeling defeated. It's a it's a victory story is what I like to say. Well, it's it's more of a, hey, by the way, we're going to be talking about these subjects because they don't you don't want to spring that on the audience. Oh, by the way, yes. here's there's going to be miscarriage talk. And because that if you don't know that going in yes. and it, it might be traumatic for someone who's going to expect a comedy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think the more hidden uh, things are the worst. I I just hear from young women all the time that they decided to share their stories because they felt it was going to help other people. 
And, and I think that that's a good thing about sisterhood in terms of, of everything, because everybody's journey is different. You know, some people, um, uh, they, you know, and then you, you find, you know, some people, uh, they're at this stage where they don't know where to turn. They don't know what they're going to do. And if you can offer some advice, but yeah, I always say nobody's alone, but it feels very alone when you're going through something like mm -hmm. that, like, uh, oh, okay, well, maybe I won't have children. Or you, you know, all of a sudden, or like, or stop at one, right? Yeah, absolutely, right. Or or uh, uh, you know, I'll adopt. I've had um, you know, everybody's family has certain things, and then it's just it's amazing when you find out how many people have a similar journey. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it brings a lot of comfort. Um, I think when you're dealing with fertility issues, there's a lot of shame attached to it. Um, because I do think that, especially for women, um, there's just a, a belief I think we have that's both societal and internalized where we think our body should function a certain way. It's kind of like, I'm a woman, I should be able to have a baby or, you know, pregnancy should come easily or whatever the case may be. And so I think having those conversations, um, whether it be through art or just through social media or just with your girlfriends, um, it can bring a lot of comfort. Um, it can help erase some of that shame that I think is attached to um, fertility struggles and, and can bring empowerment, which I think is important um, with any form of, of health and when you're you're navigating a health journey. You're starting a new uh, a new genre of comedy, shame comedy. <laughs> shame. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but but it, but it is true. I think there's empowerment in yeah. taking charge of your own uh, life. Like, uh, no, I think we're going to go this way or we're, or, you know, we'll, we'll do, I've had, uh, talks with, um, you know, young relatives, like there are many wonderful children out there who need homes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, uh, adoption. So there's, there's that whole gamut. And then also, uh, because I'm old in my day, we didn't have that option of, oh, I'll just raise a baby by myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't need a guy here, you know, and that's an option too now. She don't need no man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Carl, <laughs> Carl tells that to his daughter all the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, I said that at the end of Frozen. I yelled oh. that out at the end of Frozen at, you know, the Disney movie. Yeah. Uh, when the two sisters are finding that they the sisterly love is more important than anything, I yelled out, "She don't need no man." And now people <laughs> people randomly scream that out at me at movie screens. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. That write what you know, and then you are in masterful hands with Deanna, and also with Jacqueline directing it. And so it is uh, this weekend, and you're going to come up for it. So it is. Um, Friday, 7.30, Saturday, 7.30, and then Sunday, is it a matinee? I think it's it's Friday and Saturday are 8. And then, oh, 8. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. You know, you could go to mustardseedtheater.com. That's theater with an R-E, the correct way to spell it. Mustardseedtheater.com, and you can find out the answers to those questions, Lynn. 
<laughs> That's right. And it is at Fon Fon and it's easy to find. Don't be intimidated. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful facility and, uh, yeah, I look forward to, I think I'm coming Saturday night. Wonderful. So yeah, hope to see you there. Well, so yeah, Mustard Seed Theater, it's at Fon Fon University. Uh, thank you so much, Maya, for joining us and best of luck on your PhD at Carbondale. <laughs> thank you so much. And welcome over to the Missouri side for a while. Yeah. Thank you both. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Maya. Break a leg. Thank you. <laughs> Do you say that to the playwright or just the actors? Uh, I don't know, but I think I just, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, so, Maya. <laughs> Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you. Thanks. Safe travels. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. So Lynn. Yes. Let's talk about the end of the world. Sure. Um, so let's the movie. There's a movie out this weekend. It's the latest from M night. Shama Lama Lama ding dong. He he goes by night. So we can call him night. So, yeah. And night does night does make an appearance in this movie, but it's it. He did not write this. I want people to know that up front. People are like, Oh, night's new movie. No, he adapted this from a book, which was a very popular book. Uh, the book was called Cabin at the End of the World from before the pandemic. And this is he adapted this and changed a lot of the book. If you were familiar with the book, if you're familiar with the book, you might not be happy with this movie. It's called Knock at the Cabin. Lynn, what's it about? It is a apocalyptic tale. It is uh, a gay couple. And they're cute as a button, adopted Asian American daughter. Uh, hey, wait a minute! I just I just talked about Frozen. One of the gays is Jonathan Groff, Kristoff from Frozen. Yes, and, and then uh, uh, I'm, Ben, I'm ben very, Eldridge plays his husband. Yes, I'm very happy that they kept it a same sex uh, couple because that I is just, in the book. Uh, I think that that's important. So John, the handsome and talented Jonathan Groff, multiple Tony nominee, uh, and Ben Aldridge, who's been on some TV shows. I'm not familiar with his work, but I am he familiar. He has a very with... familiar face. He does. Jonathan Groff, their daddy, Eric and daddy, Andrew. And yes. when is their adorable precocious daughter collecting grasshoppers in the woods. I and... know I know where I've seen Ben Aldridge. He plays Thomas Wayne on the Pennyworth show. He plays That's Batman's right. dad. That's right. That's okay. right. And he it just got canceled. Yes, it did. But so yes, uh, yes. So, he's yes. he's on several series. So uh they're dead he, he was uh, he was in Fleabag also. Uh-huh. Okay. So they Sorry to um, interrupt. So she's collecting the grasshoppers and here comes hulking Dave Batista, which would be kind of scary no matter what, because he's got a little teeny shirt on and he looks very hulking, tattoos and everything, but he's got glasses on because he's a second grade teacher. And, and he's he a gentle starts, giant. 
Yes, he starts talking to Wen, and she is like, oh, something's not right. So they knock at the cabin door, four of them. They have weapons with them that look very crude and homemade. And they knock seven times, by the way, which is very biblical. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't just not. You you think knock at the. It's a they they knock seven times. Like this is religious cultish. Yes, there are some biblical references here, and they present this stunning scenario that uh, they're there to prevent the apocalypse because uh, this couple and their daughter they have to decide who they're going to sacrifice to save the world. If they don't then all mayhem is going to be unleashed, including their demise. And it's gruesome. And you're wondering the whole time. What I liked about this movie was M. Night Shyamalan is a master at tension. He is a master at simmering tension. I was tense. I thought it played into our anxieties and fears of the past Three years. We're in the third winter of the pandemic. And so I think that that taps into that. It's it's a rather one note story. I think it's a tightly controlled story because of the book. But it does get a little tedious because it's that is that is the world ending or are they being played or what's happening? Who's going to die? Blah, 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 blah. And so we already know this premise. We don't have some big flashy twist ending like Knight likes to do. Well, if they would have kept the book, if they would have kept the ending of the book, there would have been a twist. And so the twist is that there isn't really a twist because in the book, there is a tragic twist that just throws the whole thing off. And that is not in this. So I did did read what it was. And wouldn't that have been better? Don't you think? Yeah, they probably should. And more M and more M night Shyamalan. Right. But as far as he goes, I mean, it's not anywhere near his masterpieces, Sixth Sense or Unbreakable, but signs are signs. But I do. I liked The Visit in 2015 and Split in 2016. So I think it's or on old. Our... Did you like old? No. <laughs> you and I sat next to each other at old. I know I... we did. That That was a year ago. Yeah. No, but I think it's on par with uh, The Village. Recent work. Well, it's better than The Village, but I like the acting at I was I thought the acting was fine. I thought they sold it. I thought it was pretty yeah. genuine and I did I was I was anxious the whole entire time and I was on the edge of my seat and also I was kept off guard. And to me that was good cuz I don't think it's predictable. Do you think it's no. predictable? No, but once again if you're a fan of the book and our buddy JC Corcoran always says uh, books and movies are two different things. But if you're going to use the book as the source material, you don't throw out the last third of the book. Right, right. And uh, So I gave it a B. 
Really? I think, yeah. I think it's, I think it's fine. I mean, it's not great. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not upper. T- if you have to do the tiers, middling night is fine. It's not upper tier. It's not lower tier. It's not something, one of those awful the happening. Nights. The happening. Right. Yeah. Where the plants will save us. Anyhow. Uh, oh, did I just give away the twist? Yes, I did. <laughs> well, so the I plants think it's will long, save us. Long ago. Long ago. Right. I don't, I don't. Well, I, hate I to think say something us. bad about this movie because it's okay. It's not. It's not horrible. Yeah. No, it's fine. Um, I think. Um, I think the As, cast goes yeah. a long way to sell it. I do have issues with that one point about Rupert Grint's character. Oh yeah, we didn't even mention Ron Weasley's in this movie playing an American who is also one of these four horsemen of the apocalypse. Right. Playing against type, and he hasn't really done. This is probably the biggest. Movie that he's been in since Harry Potter. He he well, normally sticks to indies. Well, apparently he is in M. Night Shyamalan has a series on Apple called Servant. Yes. And apparently he is in that. That's about, I hear that's about dead babies. I haven't and, watched any of it. Well, I, 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 I don't want to say that. I just was told that it, it is very night like. And so therefore, if you like him, you will like the show. And they say the people I've talked to, they, but that's me not wanting to give the names of the people that I've been talking to. Um, I have been told by people I trust that it is some of his best stuff that he's done in a long time. And so by bringing actors that are on that to this, uh, it, it's still the choices they made in the writer's room. So. Right. As, as yeah. It's I think for a wintertime horror movie, it's fine. Okay, now this is where I got into some sort of a disagreement with uh, someone because I called it horror. And one of my friends said, well, do you think it's horror or psychological uh, thriller? And I said, well, it's not really thrilling. And they they do kind of keep for a movie that is very, very violent. They do keep a lot of the violence off screen. That's, that's more of the thriller part, but cause you, you're not seeing a whole bunch of, you know, heads get chopped off. You're no, but you can hearing. imagine what's going on when you see the rugs and stuff, but uh, right. the, um, uh, it's rated R for violence and language. Yes. But I do think that they, the off screen, I thought that was a wise choice because yes. I would not, have liked to have seen no that stuff but they do flashbacks of the gay couple and their their travails trying to be accepted in the world so they have that as an element that they haven't had an easy road um well as our as our buddy dan buffa whose birthday is tomorrow by the way says a movie can just be fine. And this movie's fine for a early in the year psychological horror thriller. Right. Right. And uh, I uh, did not see 80 for Brady. I didn't either. You know why? Because I still love what Saturday Night Live said about it. Finally, a movie for your mom that she'll hate. 
I think it looks really bad. And also, I am not a fan of Tom Brady. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? So I don't care that these women went to the Super Bowl and they met Guy Fieri and all that. I don't care. So I didn't go, but I will. I have seen some of the streaming services movies that are on right now for the winter. And I uh, do not recommend you people on Netflix with Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill and Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Eddie Wait, Murphy. she's in that too? Yeah. They have uh, they were in the same cast on SNL, if you yeah. recall. Well that's where she met her husband, Brad Hall. Right. This well, actually at Northwestern. Well they went yes, to Northwestern. They, they were in the same cast on Saturday Night Live and they both got cast right. at the same time. Right. Right. So and that's anyway, they got they got married from the yeah. Go ahead. This digs down into the stereotypes. It is not funny. It is tedious. A lot of talking. It's a lot of talking that I don't think anybody says a genuine thing in the whole movie. It's poorly written. And uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is the, the Jewish clan, Jonah Hill's mom. And she's trying to be hip and cool and she is like nails on a chalkboard in this movie. Eddie Murphy glowers the whole time. Like, oh, you can try to marry my daughter to Joan. Isn't Hill. he supposed to be funny? Isn't because everything that I've seen, he's playing straight. Right. And Jonah Hill is a not a good person for her to marry. The daughter's <laughs> perfectly fine good person they dig into the they double down with these stereotypes and it's not funny and it's in cool hip la so immediately you're like uh you know you're you're at a disadvantage because it's all this really hip la stuff it is co-written by the guy who in who uh created blackish which was a yeah. wonderful tv show Okay. So Kenya Burris directed it and co-wrote it, but it's this just, is part of his deal with Netflix, right? Yeah, it's just junk. It's just I I I couldn't believe it. I said nobody talks like this in this movie. Nobody. And when Jonah Hill first meets Eddie Murphy, it's painful how awkward and insensitive and crazy the stuff he talks about is and i'm just like nobody talks like this in real life so i was very disappointed but i will say an escape movie that you don't think is going to be escape sure it's a high concept romantic comedy with j-lo and josh dumont but shotgun wedding i actually enjoyed as a hmm. uh winter doldrums destination wedding jennifer coolidge is the mvp she plays josh jamal's mom from minnesota everything she says is a comic gem how, how, Merit, how many movies has j-lo done about weddings i know probably three four 
wedding, you know, but uh, I thought it was, I thought it was actually a pretty entertaining and sure it's your typical, typical rom but it's on Amazon prime and it was good on a Friday night where you just want to just enjoy things. Cheech Marin plays JLo's very rich dad. And wow. He invites. Okay. So her ex is Lenny Kravitz. So he invites, he loves Lenny's character show and he invites him to the wedding. So Lenny comes off this helicopter all swaggering and everything. And it's like, you didn't RSVP, but it's hilarious because it's Lenny Kravitz and, and Cheech. And so there's, there's a lot of personality driven comedy in this but it's about they have a destination wedding in the philippines this group of pirates takes the rich americans and uh mayhem ensues but if you are a fan of jennifer coolidge she's great okay so i'm watching i'm actually com. watching her in uh, she was on two episodes of Party Down, and so before the new season drops in a couple of weeks, I'm revisiting Party Down, and I am on season two. Aha! Uh-huh. Well, I did in my recuperation, I did watch four episodes of Poker Face, which is on Peacock, which is from Ryan Johnson, creator yes. of Knives Out. And he wrote it, this before he did Glass Onion. And he only and, he only writes and directs the first episode, I believe. Right. It's an anthology and it's Natasha Leone. And her gift is that she has innate ability to to uh tell whether you're lying or not. Right. Hence the title. So it starts in Vegas, Adrian Brody, Benjamin Bratt, and then she goes around different parts of the country and she gets involved in these cases and it's different guest stars every week. It's based on Columbo. (laughs) Yeah. She's very much like a female Columbo and it's, I was very entertained by it. So I think it bodes well. I understand that they're no longer having the free tier of Peacock. Yes. If you have it already, uh, you still have it for now, but if you, you can't get it anymore, but I, I, uh, black Friday last year, they had Peacock for $12 for the whole year. So, or a dollar a month. So I am getting Peacock between now and December. So uh-huh. I have that. And I want to watch girls five ever. As well. Oh, I do too. I do too. I want to know. Okay. So I have Showtime and Paramount plus. So I want to know what's (laughs) happening with this whole thing. Paramount Plus featuring Showtime. Yeah, that's very confusing. Yes. Very confusing. In in your time off, Lynn, did you see any other films? Because I didn't. I I I that's not true. I saw I have now seen 90% of the Oscar nominated films because I watched Triangle of Sadness which my wife loved until the last five minutes of it. Uh-huh. Did you finally watch it yet? I have not. I have not. When I was in the hospital 10 days, I only had basic cable. 
So there wasn't much to watch. Let's put it like that. And our buddy Jim Tudor was right. The it's it is a two and a half hour movie, and only about let's say uh, I I wanted to say three minutes, but I think I might stretch it out to six minutes of bodily fluids. Uh, I read a review that said uh, Monty Python meaning of life. The big guy where it has a wafer thin mint and then explodes. Yes. He says it's longer than that. And that was too much. So just because of that one sequence might turn people off and say, this is an Oscar nominated. My wife loved it. It's in three parts. First part is about the young influencer couple. She is great on Instagram and TikTok and does all of these Instagram influencer things. And then he is a model who was famous for doing a perfume ad from a long time ago. They get things for free. Then part two is them on this luxury yacht. And there are a bunch of people. One, one couple is an arms dealer from very, very long ago, British arms dealer. Uh, there's a Russian uh, manure magnet and there are also these other people that are extremely wealthy. And you have Woody Harrelson as the captain of this ship. And then you have part three, which is what happens when the dynamics of all of these rich people and the, as they say in the movie business, below the line, people like the the staff, the staff of the boat, what happens when their power dynamics shift. And my wife loved the movie up until the last five minutes where there's just a uh, weirdness that happens. And it also, I I say, I told her that it was not fair because the movie is open-ended and you can pick your own ending. So there, there's a question mark of what happens at the end of the film. And I said, you can pick how it ends however you like. And it's 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 by the director of Force Majeure, and oh. also the Circle. Yeah, Ruben, uh, Os, God dang it, Osland, Osland. That's a. I wanted to make sure I said it right. Uh, and I love Force Majeure. I think that's a great movie. The American remake with Julia Louis Dreyfus and Will Ferrell is absolutely horrible. Do not. It made my worst that oh, year. Oh, it was. It it was. Yeah, definitely in the top ten worst. That year oh, was yeah. terrible. Force Majeure, I believe, it's won our fantastic. St. Louis Film Critics uh, Award for International Feature that year. Um, yes. But I'm, but I'm, it's, I'm, it's, I'm, it's, 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 it's for most of the film. It's it's Oscar worthy for being nominated. I'm surprised it was though. Well, I'm very shocked at some omissions at the Oscar nominations, including Daniel Detweiler and Till, because she was my uh, favorite female performance last right. year. And I'm stunned that she was uh, like, oh, and then a lot of people were upset about Viola Davis. And now we have this whole controversy with two Leslie, Andrea Riceborough. Uh, Did you see it? No, you have to rent it. Uh, for six ninety nine on Amazon or whatever 
platform well, you use. And they're, they, they already said they're not going to investigate it. I know it's it's uh it's not. But that came out of the blue. And I can see where all the publicity machine, as you know, we see it firsthand during award season. And this kind of had its own path to oh, a yeah, nomination. Kate Blanchett won an award for Tar, and thanks Andrea Rosborough for just acting. And, and so she had uh, a whole bunch. Reese Witherspoon, all these people loved it, and they're saying, "Oh, well, th- because all these actresses loved it." And everyone that has seen the film says she is fantastic in it. Just no one has seen the film. Right. Uh, it wasn't av- made available to us um, at, during the award season. Although I bet if we dug farther, we could find out. I am shocked that Baz Luhrmann was not among the directors because Elvis is such a wonderfully directed movie. And yeah. so I was rather shocked by that. I was surprised at how many nominations All Quiet on the Western Front got because Netflix. And that is the movie that I have not seen yet. And I'm going to see it this weekend. Um, It's good. It's very powerful. It's very sad because of all the young boys losing their life. Well, Uh, the the original from what, 1927? has the yes. very heartbreaking scene at the very end of the film, which is an iconic silent film piece of the boy reaching for the flower in the World War One, and then his life is tragically taken. And so I already know how the movie's end. I read the book in high school. Uh, the, how many versions of All Quiet on the Western Front do we need? Right. But this one is very well done. I was just shocked at how many uh, nominations it got. Yes, but Netflix, Netflix is very good about doing that. Yes, they are. And uh, otherwise, the nominations went pretty much according to prognosticators. Do you think Short Round's going to get an Oscar? I hope so. That was the best performance uh, as supporting he's, he's, he's amazing in that movie. I love him in that movie. He's so good. And he's so far ahead of, so, you know, head and shoulders above everybody. I would hope so. I would think it would be a very stunning upset. He's won, like, everything. Yes. Now, the the Screen Actors Guild Awards are coming up February 26th, I think it is. Didn't they announce those, or was it directors that they announced after the Oscars? Uh, The... It might have been Director's Guild. Yeah. Now, um, Sarah Pauly not getting nominated for Director is also pissing me off. Yes. But it was nominated for Best Picture. That means more people will see it, though. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, the women got screwed again for directing. And and also, uh, Black women got screwed out of acting nominations. So those are the big takeaways, I think, if we're going to have takeaways. But other than that, it just, you know, they have 10 movies. What are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? 
I will have seen all 10 of them by Saturday night. Now, how many have you seen, Lynn? I have to see Triangle of Sadness, and mm -hmm. I have some of the foreign films or the international features I have yet to see. I really dropped the ball after we all voted on the international features, and then due to my health issues, never went back. So I have to see some of those, but I'm pretty sure I've seen all the all the 10 pictures, except Triangle of Sadness. Okay. Yeah. Which you will see, you will see because you have it at home. That's right. And I'm still having discussions with people about the movies that were polarizing. Banshees, you either love it or hate it. I I liked it. Uh, I it's not. I will say it is not for everyone. Right, right. If you but, if you're not a fan of self maiming, you will hate no, it. No, and if you don't understand that dark Martin McDonough black comedy type things, um, I will say I was very pleased that all four of them were nominated: Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keegan, and Carrie Condon. Right. But that's so, but it also also means that that might get shut out. Yeah. I have a feeling that the 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 uh the way the mojo's going it's either going to be Brendan Fraser or Austin Butler. But who knows. I think once Lisa Marie died, it sealed it for Austin Butler. Did they ever uh, did they ever announce a uh, death cause uh i believe they did but I, I try not to read stuff like that yeah i know she died when i was in the hospital so i was a little foggy i think that's when i was on my morphine drip so <laughs> i was so foggy about like ooh, lisa marie died so yes. so we don't have that many more well we have bafta coming up right and screen actors guild oh the independent spirit awards which are not going to be on IFC this year. It is going to just be streaming only. Really? Yes. Well, that's sad. Well, no, they streaming is streaming is not a bad thing as it was anymore. Hmm. Well, uh, in the local theater circle, I'm finally getting back to watching stuff. And so this weekend is the finale for Broadway Bound, which Alan Knoll directed at New Jewish. So that's through Sunday. Uh, the rep is starting side by side by Sondheim this weekend. If you are a Sondheim aficionado. And mm -hmm. uh, next week, Stray Dog is going to open with Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Well, you're forgetting the biggest show and probably the best show. All those other shows are fantastic. But the best show, the best bang for the buck is the 80-minute thing at the Fox called Six. It is a juggernaut. It was a fantastic. It plays like a concert. If you have not seen Six or if you've heard about it, it is living up to the hype. So it's like a Spice Girls concert? It is not a Spice Girls concert. But yes, it's like a Spice Girls concert. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to have missed it. 
and thanks for the invite to I tried to yeah, bring you, honey. I know. I would I appreciated that because I was sorry to miss and I was so sorry to miss Death of a Salesman, which ended its run at the Black Rep. And uh the the wonderful people at Metro Theater Company are starting another children's show called Spells of the Sea. It's gonna be at the Grandel, but it will be available video wise in a couple of weeks. So if you want your children to see some uh some art spells of the sea, that is going to be good. So the theater uh people are back in full swing. I'm trying to get back in full swing. I don't I think wish we, we have... could I wish we could have talked to Alan. I, I haven't talked to Alan in a while. I I love the Noel I know. Family. I felt so bad, but you know. Yes. Yeah. I, hey, it's I, we just want you to get well, Lynn. Thank you. And uh, yeah. So, Carl, what are you doing this weekend? Blues? I <laughs> no, the blues are out of town. The blues don't have another game until the 11th. I am going to be doing sound for Disney on Ice. Aha. Uh-huh. So I will be at Disney on Ice um, all weekend. Because uh, normally, like they have their own people, but they're going to use the Enterprise Center sound system to make the sound fuller and better, especially on Saturday night. So I will be there doing it that night. Uh huh. So that's what well, I did. everybody have a wonderful week. Happy February. We're counting down till the time change and hallelujah. Yeah. Lynn, I'm glad you're doing well. Where can people find you socially? I Even though we know that you haven't done anything for a while. I know. I am on all the socials. I'm poplifestl.com. Uh, our wonderful podcast has restarted. I'm on Jennifer uh, Bloom and Wendy Weiss's Friday morning show on KTRS. And I'm in the Webster Kirkwood Times. All right. I am on I am on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl the intern. I'm on the Mark Cox Morning Show Monday through Friday and on the weekends, Second Amendment and the Great Outdoors radio on KMOX and 97.1. I work seven days a week in radio. Dang. You are committed. I'm here. Well, everybody, happy happy rest of winter. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.